Romans chapter number one. And let's get started here. Hopefully, uh, we'll get going here. We've been looking at how to enjoy your Bible. And uh, I want to just continue with you this morning. Uh, I know we're at the Christmas season, and everybody's looking at the Christmas stuff and, uh, and so forth. And by the way, there are no today's references on a handout for in the room. I will have that next week. I know some of you keep a booklet and books. Uh, we do have the overhead. I know on the Internet they should have the overhead and so forth. But we've been, we come now to the book of Romans in our how to study your Bible, how to enjoy your Bible. And uh, we've been through Genesis to Malachi. We've been through Matthew to Acts. That's all time past. And in time past, the characteristics back then was there was that great divide between the circumcision and uncircumcision. And circumcision was the issue in Abraham and the, and the patriarchs and the fathers. And then Israel. That's God's agency. The, the 12 tribes as they come out of, out of Jacob and then Moses is given the law. So the law is the operating system. The realm, the sphere of operation that they're going to work in is the earth. And their hope and their future is in a kingdom. And they have John the Baptist and they have the Lord Jesus Christ and then they have 12 apostles. You come to Acts, and Acts is just a simple continuation of that program. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talks about that preeminent figure, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that he is doing as Israel's Messiah, all that, he's gonna, all that he accomplished for them and succeed. In Romans 9, Paul says that the Lord came in the flesh for Israel. That's who he came for. He came to save his people from their sins. And, and we, we looked at those four prophetic pictures the branch and the and the behold statements and the the king and the 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 servant and the man and the, and and the son of god and we we looked at all that acts is just a continuation of that the lord ascends peter and the boys just keep going they keep doing until acts chapter 7 with the stoning of stephen and israel falls and then when they fall then they begin to diminish away and we looked at those three pivotal points in, 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 in Acts, which one is the out, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then there's the cry against Stephen, and then there is the diminishing, then there's the going to the Gentiles. And we looked at all of that, and we, and we now come to the book of Romans. Because in Acts 7, with the fall, in Acts 9, we see a new character show up, Saul of Tarsus. Who, ends up, who then, Acts 13, he's Paul the Apostle. And when you come, just in reading Scripture, we now come to the dispensation of grace. We come to the but now. Well, that's where we started. Time passed, but now the ages to come. And when you come to the but now, now the, 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 distinct, the, the characteristics, there is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile today. The Jews have no special, they've diminished away. There's no, Galatians chapter 3, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. There's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. We're all what? One in Christ. We're all equal. So there's no difference today. The agency today is the body of Christ. The operating system is God's grace the operating realm is the heavenly places. Our hope is in the heavenly places. So, But when you come this morning, I just want you to get a general feel of the epistles because they are wonderful. We're here 
Now, again, you close the chart. They stoned Stephen. Israel's prophetic program was to continue right on, but yet God did, he hid something, and now he's made it known, and he's interrupted prophetic program. You know that by coming, by just simply reading your Bible, because where are we? We're in the book of Romans. Do you know who Rome was to the nation of Israel? The enemy. Do you know that Rome, think about here, here's now a book in Scripture written to the very people who killed the Lord Jesus Christ. The very ones who have their boot on Israel's neck, God's people. So think about the shock here. As you're a Jew and you're reading and all of a sudden, what in the world is this Romans thing about? What's going on? Well, God's changed the program. And when we come to Paul's epistles, we now come literally, I got to take this down because we're going to, I'm going to write on the board and I hope you can see it. When you come to Paul's epistles, you come now to a new form of writing in Scripture. Up until this point, it's been a historical narrative and a prophetic utterance, a prophetic proclamation. In other words, here's the history, and then here's what the prophets say, and then in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, here's the history, and then when the Lord speaks, here's the prophetic utterance. Now you come to an epistle style of writing, and an epistle is, is more than a letter. Everybody goes, oh, he wrote letters, love letters. No, he, he wrote epistles, and an epistle is a, it is a letter. In, in other words, it's Paul to the church at, Paul to the church, the body of Christ, but the design of the letter isn't a howdy doody. How you doing? Hope everything's well. You know, you get the Christmas letters right now. You know, you guys like writing books. I told Linda, I said, we ought to write a letter one day. She goes, what, a paragraph? I go, yep, a paragraph. Because, you know, it's not that kind of a letter. It's a letter that's designed to communicate doctrine to the student, to someone who's going to look at it, read it, and then write all over it. You guys write over your book and your Bible? Yeah, you take notes and, you, and you're studying it out. So it's a, it's a letter designed to teach the student and to come in. So when we come to the but now, we begin to look at some books and we see some things here in this epistles that are completely different than what we've read Genesis to Acts. In Genesis to Acts, it's been this happened and this happened and so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And then, and thus saith the Lord. And now it's going to be, hey, Romans 1, verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. The very purpose of Paul's epistles, 13 of them, nine church, four personal. The very purpose is verse 11 and 12, to communicate some doctrine, to communicate and so that there would be a mutual faith. 
of you and me. So when we come together, we are all on the same page. We're talking the same language. We're dealing with the sameness. And what Paul is going to do is he's going to design, he's going to establish the edification design for you and I today, for the Gentile today. Because where was the Gentile? Get Matthew 10 and get Romans 11. Get Matthew 10 and Romans 11. Matthew 10, Romans 11. And you have to kind of think about this a little bit. So the very beginning of the book of Romans, by the way, to Paul, Paul you got to, wow, what a shocker. Who's this guy? This is the guy that persecuted the church, wreaked havoc on that little flock. And now he's writing a book and it's in scripture? Oh, shock. Well, what does he say? Hey, my goal here is to establish you, is to get you set up. Look at Matthew 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. So we've got 12 apostles, right? Hold on to Matthew 10. Look at Romans 11, verse 13. What does Paul say? For I speak to you who? Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Now I'm going to tell you something. You want to save your spiritual neck in Romans 11, remember he's talking to the Gentiles. He is not just talking to the body of Christ. He's talking to everyone. Unfortunately, we get this narrow mind that every time we read Gentiles in Scripture, he's talking just the body. He doesn't say the body. He says what? Gentile, that's everybody. Hey, everybody out there, whoa, you need to pay attention because I am the, what? Apostles. Now go back to Matthew 10. And I draw that conclusion, that, that, that contrast for you because of Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So when Peter and the boys go, who are they going to? To the Jew, to the house of Israel. They wouldn't be saying, hey, Gentiles, look over here at what we're doing. Why? Because they just got a command from their Messiah not to do that. See, Paul says, hey, Gentiles, look over here. God uses Saul of Tarsus, i.e., Paul the Apostle, as a radical change to get the attention of people that I'm over here now. I'm not over there. I'm over here. Can you see me? Do I need to take my shirt, my jacket off? No? Okay. Over, see? So when you come back to Romans 11, he's our apostle. He's going to be talking to you and I. Come over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. So when we come into Romans to Philemon, but now, today, the age of grace... Our information, Paul starts it by saying, my job and what I'm trying to accomplish is that you and I would have a mutual of faith, a mutual faith. So here's an edification process that gets us to that mutual faith, that takes you from, from babe, newborn Christian, just saved, just justified, all the way over here to adulthood, to being an adult in your maturity, okay? Not adult age-wise but adult mature-wise. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Also, just by the way, the Apostle Paul defends his apostleship in every book that he wrote. And the reason for that is because he's what? He's the radical change. And God's using him to signal to the believers, I'm over here now. And they do what? Well, you're not one of the 12, so they question his authority. And he's got to defend it. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. All right, what did he reveal? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. You see what the dispensation of the grace of God is about? It's about verse number 6. See that? That's what this is about. That's what the mystery truth's about. That he is now going to who? The Gentiles. And what are they going to be? Fellow heirs. And they're going to be participating in the program of God. Verse 7. Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers and heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God." Man, we got a broad, we got a far reach, don't we? Into the heavenlies out there. But what does Paul say? The dispensation of the grace of God was given to who? Me, and I give it to you. And your job is then to take it out and to make all men see, and then to have that impact in the heavenly places. Titus chapter number one. By the way, you notice we're kind of going through the epistles here. Titus chapter 1, Titus 1 verse 1, Titus 1 1, Titus chapter 1 verse number 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me, according to the commandment of God, our Savior. You know what Paul is? He's our due time testifier. He's the one. He's the vehicle. And he says, Romans, 1 Timothy 2, sorry. He says there in Romans 1, my goal, 1 Timothy 2, my goal is to set you up so that you'll grow to some maturity, you'll be established, set them up. When we did the concrete out there, the guys established that. They put up the forms, they did all the cuts, they did all the prep work, all the groundwork, and then when the, when the, gar- when the garbage trucks, when the, when the concrete trucks backed in, 
What did they do? They set it in, and then they leveled it, and they smoothed it out, and they made their thing, and then they did what? Then they stood back, and they watched and said, stay off. <laughs> and then the guys go, it is stable now. We established, set you up, so that you would be established. Concrete's in. It's good. Now let's build. 1 Timothy 2, if you just look at verse 4, verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. By the way, that is the will of God for you. Is that right there? You know what the will of God for you is? That you'd be saved. So the moment you trusted Christ, passed from death to life, you know what you were doing? The will of God. And there's a second component. Come to the what? The knowledge of the truth. You're sitting here this morning. You're listening to my voice. You're studying with us. What are you doing? You're coming to the knowledge of the truth. You're doing the will of God. Do you see how the will of God had nothing to do with you going out and winning the world for Jesus? Doesn't. What's the will of God? Get saved. Come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, when you come to the knowledge of the truth, if you want to go out and win the world, then that's good. Let's go do it. But you've got to get it in the right order here. Who? I'm sorry, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, what Paul does there in verse, four, verse 5 and 6 is he protects verse 4. In verse 4, what did he say? He would have all men be saved. How does man get saved today? Well, there's more Gospels in the Bible than just one. So which one is it? It's the one that is about the man, Christ Jesus, and I'm the due time testifier. It's Paul's my gospel. You see how he does that there? He protects which gospel is going to save you. You, do you, I, you. I hope you see that. Who will have all men to be saved? Verse 5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. That's Paul's my gospel. Then he protects the and coming to the knowledge of the truth in verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So where am I going to go get the knowledge of the truth? I'm going to go get it from the guy who's sent to talk to me as a Gentile. See how he protects those core issues. Because the goal, again, is to do what with you? It's to get you stable. So come to Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. And we've got a couple verses. When we studied the book of Romans, when we came to the end of 16, we spent eight weeks in this one verse. And we could have spent another eight weeks. You need Romans 16. Because what happens is, is this is at the end of the book of Romans, because Romans is a foundational book. Romans is designed to come in and to, to establish you, get it set up, get it concrete poured in, get it solidified, get it hardened, get it smoothed out. So verse 25, now to him that is of power to establish you, notice not establish, but establish, set you up, you're good to go according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret but now, since the world began, but now is made manifest. And there's a third step. 
and the scriptures of the prophets, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. The commandment of the everlasting God is for you to be established, to be stabilized, to be established on my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which you're going to learn by the scriptures of the prophets who are the Pauline epistles. Okay, now I say all that because there's a lot of behind that, but you got to pay attention to where we're at. This isn't the Old Testament because Paul says this was a mystery, hid in Christ, hid in God. No one knew that Ephesians 3, we just read it in the time past. This is all brand spanking new information, and when he would write it, there was an office of a, there was a gift of the prophet in the local assembly, and I would say that's scripture, and that's what we're going to go based on, and that's how we're building our foundation. Okay? All right, now i got 20 minutes to do a whole bunch of more, but get, come over to uh, 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is going to lay out for the but now, for the age of grace, the dispensation of the grace of God, the form, okay, form, the pattern, of sound words. Sound, Acts, uh, Acts 3. Peter talks about the guy they healed and how he's got perfect soundness, healthy, sound words, life-giving words, words that will change your life. He says, I'm going to lay them out here, and it's going to be laid out according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. So his epistles then get laid out in such order. Verse 16, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, I hope you can see that. I'm sure you can because our camera guy... Is pretty good. You've got doctrine, reproof, and correction. All three of those makes instruction in righteousness. You cannot have instruction in righteousness without doctrine, reproof, and correction. You cannot have instructions in righteousness with just doctrine. Doesn't work. You have to have what? Reproof and correction. Reproof, doctrine, the meat. This is the rules. This is the the, the information. Reproof. Let's fix bad behavior. How do I fix bad behavior on the doctrine? Let's fix it. How do we do it? We corrective doctrine. Then we correction, bad doctrine. How do we fix it? And we get that information, okay? So when you come to the book of Romans, you come to a book of doctrine. But it's the doctrine concerning the cross. It's Christ and the cross, and when you come to Romans, you come to our foundation. And it, it is an issue of grace. Our foundation is on the grace of God. And it's Christ and the cross. And we begin to deal with the issue of faith. And faith, and faith is the issue. Faith alone. Faith is the only response that God's grace will ever accept. But then we come, so Romans, four pillars, by the way, justification, sanctification, our walk, 
dispensational issues that you are not the, not the nation of Israel. You are not spiritual Israel. You are not replacement Israel. You are the body. And by the way, here's what's happening to Israel today in the dispensation of grace. And oh, by the way, just in case you think differently, God will resume Israel's program in Romans 11 and get the job done. So don't think God abandoned Israel. He's just doing something different today. Then the fourth one is chapter 12 through 16, and that's the issue of some application of, of the doctrines of 1 through 11 in life. Foundation. Then you come to Corinthians, and then you come to Galatians. And what are we doing in Corinthians? Corinthians are self-centered, man-centered. They're worried about themselves. Galatians is worried about themselves, but where Corinthians worries about what they're doing and how they look and their popularity and their status, the Galatians are over here going, did we do it right? And they got themselves under the law program. And they got themselves under a performance system. And if you, the best commentary on the book of Romans is 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Galatians. The next book is Ephesians. And that's a book, the doctrine concerning the church, the body of Christ. This is the goal. You ever wondered why God's doing what he's doing? What's his end purpose? Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he's gonna, he might gather uh, uh, in Christ. Uh, that's what you get for trying to say it from memory. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That's the old, there's the goal. This is our love. This is our, this is our fullness. I got ahead of myself. This is our foundation. Can you see that? I don't know if you can see that. Foundation. Here's our fullness. Here's our grace, our faith. Here's the goal, love, fullness. But then you have what? You come through Philippians and Colossians. And you know what you learn in Philippians and Colossians? These guys are babies. These guys are adults. And guess what the adults are doing? Misbehaving. They've allowed their emotions to get the better of them. They've allowed their emotions to be running the show. And he deals with them. But he doesn't yell at them. You know how you deal with children when they're out of line? You do, you yell. He doesn't do that. He just talks to them. He reminds them of who they are. The Colossians, they got bad doctrine. They're not holding the head. They're not following the doctrine. They're a mess. Then you come to Thessalonians. That's is about his coming. The Lord himself shall descend. That's our, <laughs> that's, so you got Christ in the cross, you got Christ in the church, Christ in his coming. Here's our glorificate glory. Here's our hope. Here's our future. Did I miss any more? Okay. Here's what he is. That's 
And by the way, when you and I are taken home, guess what? There's no more need for correction or reproof because we're where? In the new body and heavenly places. We're set to go. That's wonderful. We start here, we're here, and now we're here. But now we've got Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And here's the congregation. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. You're in 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy 3. Here in the congregation, for the first time, we learn about the issue of godliness. For the very first time, this is our fellowship together. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, These things write I unto you, uh, unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. How, how do you behave when you come together now in the local assembly? How do you come? We've we got a fellowship we're going to have together. We have a godliness. Godliness is on display. You know who displays godliness? An adult does. God-likeness. Not acting like a baby and a child, not acting like an adult with his nose out of joint, but as that perfected saint. First Timothy, we are told the setup of a local assembly. The local assembly, verse 15 the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. We are, we, the local assembly's design is to protect the doctrine. Protect it. Second Timothy, he says, preach the doctrine. Titus, he comes in and says, okay, in the local assembly, let's practice the doctrine. The, the older women, the younger women, the older men, the younger men, you guys get together. The widows, you, you, you practice the doctrine. And then in Philemon, the capstone of it, the end of it, he says, Philemon, take that person and personalize the doctrine. Make it yours. And the focus is on the life in the local assembly. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. So when you come to Paul's epistles, again, this isn't, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that like the Lord did. As it is written, so it will be fulfilled. You know, none of that. But rather, hey, here's how you ought to behave. Here's how you ought to grow. Here's how you ought to be. Here's the doctrine. Here's the process. You start at Romans. Now, can you read Ephesians? Sure, it's there. I don't know many people who don't. But you've got to have Romans first. And then you work your way through. There's a link, by the way, in all, of all the epistles. But do you know that Romans links to Ephesians? Because not everybody is operating in Corinthian doctrine. Bad behavior. Not everybody has bad behavior. But guess what? Well, some days, sometimes you might have bad behavior. Even if you don't have it right now, you might have it down. So what do you need? You need the, the corrective doctrine to fix it. Follow? Some days you might fall off the turnip truck and get back under the law a little bit. No. You need that corrective doctrine. 
So you go to Ephesians. Again, the design, if you need it, goes that way, or it goes this way. It's very interesting how Ephesians will link into Thessalonians. But then Thessalonians links into here because what are we waiting for there? The rapture. We're waiting for it to be gathered together. But until that happens, what do we do? We gather together in a local assembly. You follow that? This design in these epistles, you see this just simply by reading. You don't need a Ph.D. or a THD or a TTD or whatever, a TNT. <laughs> you don't need any of that. What do you do? Just read your Bible. And you, you're reading along, Israel, Israel, Israel. Uh, who's this guy Saul? Who's this guy Paul? Okay, what is this Romans thing? Because And then you go, well, hang on, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Oh, wow, look at that. That's me. See. Ephesians 4 and verse 12. So Paul starts, I want to mature you up. I want to grow you up spiritually. Why? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you know who does the work of the ministry? Verse 12, perfected saints. People who are growing people who are on the edification road. You may just be starting in Romans. That's okay. Good place to start. Move right down through the whole. You move down or you move across and down. I would, move, I would encourage you to move down. And, and, okay. By the way, there is a connection here and here. Okay. Links. They link all up together. What's the goal? The goal is for perfected saints who can then go do the work of the ministry. And by the way, what is the work of the ministry? See, all men get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In your life, uh, evangelistic work is personal. You get friends and family saved, and then you bring them to the local assembly where they'll get edified. You over here, you get family and friends saved, you work on their edification. Local assembly is sitting here, here, so you can bring them and show them a bunch of other nutcases. <laughs> We're all kind of crazy, all right? Romans, again, the goal is to bring the believer from start all the way to finish. And Paul's epistles are linked that way. They are set up in the divine design for edification. And it is so embedded in the epistles that the only way to miss it is to, is to simply not read them. It's that clear. Romans begins with something promised before. Ephesians begins with something previously hidden. Romans ends with, it, with the only reference in the whole book about the mystery. Ephesians talks nothing but about the mystery. 
That's all the Ephesians talk. Ephesians expands us. Where Romans end, Ephesians picks up and expands on it. Romans begins with man and his problems as a sinner. By the way, that is your lowest point, is you're a sinner. Do you know where Ephesians takes you? To your highest point, to the glories of seated together in heavenly places. Romans explains Paul's my gospel. Ephesians takes the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery and expands it, expounds on it. Romans builds on our co-death and burial and resurrection with Christ. Corinthians and Galatians come in and and begin to demonstrate how our walk in the Spirit should work out and be accomplished. Ephesians comes and has us seated in the heavenly places. Philemon and Colossians come and they remind us that our conversation is in the heavenly places. We are to seek, we're to set our affections on things above, seek that stuff out, we'll be looking at at what is ours. Then Thessalonians says, now let's go. It's time to go. We're caught up together. Miles Sanford, he's an old guy, way old. He said one time, God has one grand purpose, and that's to glorify himself in Christ. This plan involves glory in two phases, the earthly and the heavenly. And we learn about that we participate in the heavenly. Okay? How do we do it? We walk through these epistles. And we just read them. And we begin to study them. And we begin to enjoy them. By the way, what's after Philemon? Hebrews through Revelation. We'll get next time. Guess what? There is no link. These are epistle books, by the way, because they're going to be doctrine that's going to follow the same line, but to that little flock, believing remnant, the nation of Israel. There is no link between Philemon and Hebrews. Hebrews is a whole new day. We'll see that in a couple weeks, okay? Because next week's Christmas, and i got to give you a Christmas message, okay? I don't have to, but I want to, all right? Folks, you can enjoy your Bible just simply by reading it because it tells you. It lays it all out for you, okay? The charts and and this and that just kind of puts it up there so you can see it, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have it. We can study it. We can look into it. We can fall in love with it. We can rejoice in it. And we can have it be our all in all in our lives. And as we go in life and as we go day by day, that we would just have it influence us far more than anything or anyone ever could or should. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to stand. We'll be dismissed with the, with the song.